Welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. This week, I'll talk about how road agencies are preparing for winter. We're coming out of a pandemic and we have an ongoing workforce shortage. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago and that is definitely having some effect on the ability to recruit and train enough plow drivers. But Mark Guide, who is the MDOT Engineer of Operations and the Administrator of Statewide Maintenance Programs, will be here to tell us how they're meeting those challenges and other things about what to expect with managing this winter in Michigan. I did not expect to be talking about this so soon. It's November 2nd and we're already getting snow accumulating in northern Michigan, which is a good thing if you're into winter sports, but uh, also presents challenges in terms of keeping the roads clear and people getting where they need to be. Later, I'll talk to a couple of seasoned MDOT maintenance workers who, in addition to other duties, have spent a fair amount of time behind the wheel of a snowplow. They are Jerry Danforth and Mike Gallup, and they'll be with us after Mark. So again, first, I'll be talking with Mark Guy. Mark, thank you for taking time to do this again. Uh, tell me what you're seeing in terms of plowing plow drivers and hiring drivers and what MDOT faces and the local agencies that also have to hire plow drivers. Yeah, I mean, we've we've uh, had okay success with getting the people we need for the winter, but we have struggled a little bit. Some parts of the state are uh, are struggling a little a, a little more than other ones are, but you know, part of this I think is is due to the economy. Like every everybody's been reading, um, there's a lot of competition out there in the private sector for um, workers that are have CDLs and are able to to do um, to drive snow plows. Um, but you know, overall, I think we're in pretty good shape. Our we do get some of our people from the contracting industry, and they're still out there working. Although that'll be coming to an end soon because of winter coming. So I think that'll uh, provide us uh, a little more of a, a pool of, of, of people that we'll be able to hire um, to get us through the winter. When you talk about uh, direct forces, I think we've tried to explain this before. But uh, you know, most of the motoring public probably thinks that all those snow plows they see on the state routes uh, belong to MDOT. But in reality, um, about two thirds of our counties is that number about right? Actually, it's almost kind of, about three. It's almost three quarters. Sixty-three counties. Yeah, sixty-three. So three quarters of our counties are are contract agencies that do the plowing on the on the state routes for MDOT. Yeah, that that's correct. Yeah, with our own with our own MDOT employees, we do about twenty five percent of the um, state roads and interstates, and the counties do you know more or less the other seventy five percent. We do have a private contract down in Monroe County um, right now that will be going on for another year roughly, and then um, we'll we'll have state employees down there also. But the you're, what are you hearing from the local agencies? I mean, they're, they've got to be facing the same problems as they gear up and, and have to hire drivers or do more of them have have, you know, full time workers that are they're there year round. Um, I, they have a little bit more full time than us, but they do hire temporary also. And it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Some of them are having um, some problems. Other ones are doing better. It depends partially on geographical location because even people that work in the farming industry, you know, you're in the rural areas and when they when they get done, some of them are available to come out and plow snow in the winter too. So they, the, they're, the pool of people available is a little different depending on what part of the state you're in. Part of this is, uh, is, is training to drive something other than your own personal vehicle. A, a plow is, is, is big, heavy vehicle. Um, Talk a little bit about that, about uh, the training and, you know, obtaining a 
a commercial driver's license, what's involved in that? Well, yeah, I mean, to, ideally we're looking for people and actually that's what we need right now um, is we need people with a commercial driver's license. You know, that would be people that are driving over the road trucks, for instance, um, they typically have CDLs. Um, but um, we, um, we bring people in, we train them. We have a training school in the, in the fall. Um, and so we, we have a, a classroom portion, we have a driving portion. Um, a lot of the temporary employees we get, the ones that we hire just for the winter are, are returning. And so they're in pretty good shape, although we'll uh, a lot of times give them the training also um, to, so they brush up on everything. But it's a lot of responsibility driving a, you know, that large a vehicle down the road, mixing with with traffic. And, you know, there's a lot of people uh, that are, that are you know, driving, driving at various speeds, some of them semis, some of them, you know, cars and and we've got to make sure that everything we're doing and you know and everything they're trained for is to um, be as safe as possible when when clearing the snow and ice from the roads. So here it is, <clears throat> barely November, and you probably saw that northern Michigan got some snow overnight. You live in the southwest part of the state, and that's the the part you're familiar with, and that's also where we have the most direct forces, MDOT forces, doing the plowing, and that's yeah. where you can hire the most drivers. Are we going to be ready for that? that first big lake effect i mean when it when it comes to downstate snow uh that's really the snow belt where you, where, where you are yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be ready for it i mean um we are a little short of drivers right now but we have enough of uh, the experienced people and we you know we've got extremely talented workers and maintenance truck drivers that are, are are very capable of stepping up a lot of them have been doing this for many years and so they they kind of know their hot spots we watch weather radar we we have what's called a maintenance um, uh, decision support system. It's called NBSS, um, which kind of helps us with gauging what to expect. You know, it gets data from the from the from our weather outlets, the pavement temperature, um, air temperature, barometric pressure, and all that. And it'll help us make it helps employees make a little bit better decisions on, you know, how and when to salt and stuff like that. So talk about salt since you bring it up and uh you know what we can expect this year that's different we've got some some legislation that has us piloting studying uh other things other than just salt <clears throat> mainly i think you're seeing some success with brine and i know some other states have seen success with that in terms of mixing the salt with, with water uh pre-treating making it go farther can you talk about that process yeah, sure. We're, um, we're this year we're going to be doing pilots in three locations. Two of them are our, our own uh, state forces in Mount Pleasant and Grand Ledge, and then we're also working in partnership with Montcalm County. Um, and we did this actually last winter with them, and so we'll be continuing it again uh, this winter. Basically, what it is is you know as most people see is that we put rock salt down on the road, and that helps to melt the ice so we can make the the pavement you know, the, the friction is as uh, good as possible in the wintertime. And so um, what we're piloting is basically mixing up a, uh, a brine solution, which is basically 23% salt to water. Um, and then we'll be putting that brine uh, directly down on the roadway, which will provide, you know, so far in our experience, it provides a little bit better uh, level of service. In other words, it'll melt the snow when we do it correctly a little bit quicker or the ice a little bit quicker um the potential from what we've heard from other states and we even saw a little bit of this in our pilot last year is that you can save an enormous amount of salt uh totally um we spend between 25 and 30 million dollars a year on salt 
to clear the state roads and interstates. And um, the other states have told us where they're using it uh, somewhat aggressively uh, that the, they've they've been able to see savings of around 40% less salt usage. So, you know, if you get a little bit better um, uh, service level, you know, it, it clears slightly faster. You can save the amount of salt you use. Um, clearly, um, we're doing a good thing for the environment by putting in less salt and uh, we're saving money. Talk about why it's an environmental benefit. Uh, I, I don't know that instinctively everyone understands how much of that salt makes its way into the tributaries. Well, and that and that's basically what it is. You know, you can imagine in a, in a typical winter we put down, now this varies because, you know, sometimes we have light winters, sometimes heavy, but we average putting down about um, 450 thousand tons of salt every winter and that salt um, ends up going you know into the ground um, it goes into the groundwater to some extent and when it in some in a, in a percentage of it um, can work its way into uh, our you know the tributaries and you know the river rivers and um, streams and then into lakes and stuff and and it increases the salinity level and um, that's not the you know that's not what natural to the environment to have these salinity levels change so it it, it can potentially hurt aquatic life and and um, you know plant life too so any amount um, that we can reduce is good I mean we've been doing a lot of things to reduce our salt usage with with innovations over the years and um, uh, this is this is another really big one so we we want to continually be aggressive and and do this and and also you know uh, you mentioned the legislation part of the legislation um, is asking us to use different agricultural byproducts now we've always used an agricultural byproduct it's it's um, typically been corn based um, but we're going to be looking at other ones beet based um, and possibly other things also um, that we can use basically when you add those products it will lower the freezing point a little bit and so we can actually treat salt at colder temperature or treat ice at colder temperatures so that's one of the benefits um, there's a cost factor because it does cost more to use that material um, so we just we just do what we can do to manage it as prudently as possible well that's another thing i, I do want to get back to that uh, that savings from what we can do with more efficiency of salt but uh, talk a little bit about what we've found and and why it is that salt just doesn't work once it gets uh, below a certain temperature well yeah i mean that the, the the general rule of thumb is that salt um when the temperatures are below 15 degrees fahrenheit generally speaking salt does not work that well and um or at all especially in the real cold temperatures and so you're putting it down and it's not doing anything and so that's completely wasteful and also, you know, one of the things we train our drivers at, and, and it's um, it's an art and a science, but we have to be careful about salting the road, and um, depending on whether temperatures are raising and lowering, and sometimes they're doing, you know, they're doing both. First, they'll go one way, then the other. Is that if we don't salt correctly, we can actually, um, you know, melt the ice, but then it can refreeze again, and, and actually potentially make conditions worse. So we're real careful to. Um, to not do that and to salt only at the at the correct times and then there's in these very cold conditions um we we can't salt it's 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 not going to do any good at all and it potentially could do some harm um both with later on refreezing or just flat out wasting the salt and putting it down and you know for no reason at all which of course doesn't make sense and is not prudent 
There was an era like everything, I suppose, just like, you know, fossil fuels that we just thought everything, resources were infinite and you're never going to run out. And there was probably a time where people felt that way about salt that, uh, you know, they weren't thinking about the environment and they were thinking, you know, the more the better, right? So just get out there and salt like crazy. Um, yep. How, uh, how long has it been that you feel like, uh, you know, people in your role have become more enlightened about about the impact of salt? Oh, I, you know, it's probably been the last two decades, you know, a good 20 years or so. I mean, we've we've brought on a lot of innovations um, where we work a lot harder at calibrating trucks, making sure the right amounts are going down. We're using these software programs like MDSS, the Maintenance Decision Support System, to help us make better decisions where there's sort of an algorithm running that will, will tell you when it's, you know, how much salt you should be putting down or whether you should even be putting it down, depending on the conditions in your area. Um, we have different types of spreaders. That's the portion on the back of the truck that actually applies the salt to the uh, pavement. And and so we those, those have been getting refined over time to where we're putting it down more efficiently and getting down the exact amount we want in the exact area or part of the road where we want it, where it's going to have the greatest effect. Um, and then it's just been a lot of education with, you know, making sure that all of our employees understand that, that we understand it. And then we work with other states. We look at what other states are doing, and when they're when they come up with the best practice, or we do, we try to share best practices. So, in the end, we're we're making the road as safe as possible for the traveling public, and we're doing it as efficiently and cost effectively as possible. So, if we can gain that forty percent efficiency that you're talking about, and we spend on average thirty million dollars a year on salt, are you saying we could save as much as twelve million dollars a year? That's correct. Yeah, that's significant. That's- yeah, it's oh, it's huge. Yeah, and 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 again, we're we're putting that much less salt down into the environment, so um, nature can handle it a little bit better if we put less down. So, talk about the term black ice. Um, I've come to believe that that's um, it's you know much like we talk about crash versus accident and and taking the responsibility off the driver for the behavior that actually results in crashes. You yeah. hear people say, "Well, it was black ice," like. Nothing I could do, you know. I, I didn't know it was going to be icy. I couldn't see it. So, what do you think about well, that? Well, I mean, in the end, um, people have the responsibility, really, from a practical standpoint and from a legal standpoint, to drive to the conditions. And black ice is simply a thin coat of ice that you can't see very well. You know, that's why they call it black. It's like it disappears into the dark or black pavement in, in the night or whatever. And so, you know, you really, people, especially early in the season when we're re-getting used to driving in these inclement conditions, is you have to assume the road surface is less, um, you know, is, you know, may have ice on it. And as a lot of people know from driving, you'll, you can be driving in an area where there is not any ice or, or the pavement's in good condition, and then all of a sudden it can ice up on you. And that's where a lot of people get in trouble. They're driving, they get complacent, but... The weather in Michigan comes down, you know, I mean, even even lake effect comes down in like streaks. And so there'll be one area that's not getting anything. And then and then all of a sudden you there's a wall of snow and it is and you are getting something. And so the condition of the pavement does vary and, and people need to understand that. So it's just prudent to slow down, keep, uh, you know, uh, keep a good distance from the people around you and not take chances because um uh, it, it's very difficult to keep everything perfect all the time. We, it, you really can't do it, but we do our best to try to. Well, yeah, you try to balance mobility and safety, and uh, yeah, it's it's delicate. And I also I have to say that I 
I have a little bit of anxiety about going into this winter. Last winter, we were still, you know, in the throes of the pandemic. Um, uh, driving hadn't returned to, you know, pre-pandemic levels. Uh, now it largely has across the state, and we know that uh, people started speeding like crazy and driving right. more carelessly during the pandemic, and we don't have any reason to think that's going to change this winter. So, um, yeah, I hope that everybody heeds exactly what you're saying. Um, so thanks, Mark. Is there anything else you want to tell us going into winter 21-22? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything well. Uh, I mean, my final my final note would be, you know, we've had that saying, please don't crowd the plow. So when you see plows out there, stay back from them. Um, let them do their jobs. It's, it's, it's unsafe to get too close to a plow anyway. So, you know, people give, give, give distance to the plow drivers. They're just trying to get the road clear um, to make it safe for everybody and make it passable. Very good point. Thanks again, Mark. You're very welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I'll be back in a minute with the people who know what life is like behind the wheel of a snowplow, Jerry Danforth and Mike Gallup. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message. Did you know Newton's first law of motion states that a body in motion will continue moving at the same speed and same direction, while the second law states that an object acted upon by the force will undergo... Wait, I thought this was a snowplow safety message. It is, which is why this is relevant. Don't you think that's complicating things just a bit? Not at all. A snowplow weighs 17 times more than your average car. Right, and snowplows tend to travel at slower than posted speeds. So the third law states that action and reaction are equal and opposite. I think it's easier just to remind motorists to give plows the room they need to do their jobs. Follow at a safe distance and don't drive into snow clouds. Things like that. Well, if you're going to make it that simple, why don't you just say don't crowd the plow? Great idea. Stay safe this winter. Don't crowd the plow. That's it? Yeah, that's it. I should mention that because working in highway maintenance means being on the road, I caught Mike and Jerry while they were busy working. They were gracious enough to exit the highway and find a safe place that they could talk to me. But because of the remote location, the audio is a little rough in some spots, and I apologize for that. For the second segment today, I'm going to be speaking with Jerry Danforth, who is right now he's working almost uh, exclusively on setting up some new garages in Monroe County and administering a contract there with the private vendor that's doing the plowing. But he has a lot of experience in maintenance and winter maintenance and plowing. And he's accompanied by Mike Gallup, who is also a seasoned maintenance worker who has a lot of experience on the roads. Mike, Jerry, thank you for joining. Happy to be here. So. What I really wanted to focus on, I talked to Mark Guybe earlier about the statewide challenges, uh, you know, hiring drivers this year harder than ever. Um, we're still coming out of a pandemic, and you've heard all the stories about the great resignation and the, the workforce challenges everywhere. But I wanted to get the the experience on the ground from folks that have been in the cab during some of these heavy winter storms and and what it's like and some of the close calls that you've seen and, um, you know, just what it's like being behind that plow when traffic is whizzing by and people are impatient as they always are. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah. Well, well, between Mike and I, we both have many years experience in the, uh, the plow trucks that uh, we drive for the department. And uh, I'm sure you probably heard of the old phrase, uh, don't crowd the plow. And uh, that is that is something that I just wanted to, to 
to, to kind of instill on the listeners uh, because that 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 very statement rings true, um, especially with us here in the department that have to drive these rigs. Um, it's uh, it's challenging for us to to do what we got to do in the cab and uh, to try to get our job done and and uh, in, in addition to deal with the public that's zipping by us faster than posted speeds in many occasion and uh, ultimately uh, um, they're trying to get to their destination but a lot of times it it, uh, it doesn't fare so well and they end up off in a ditch somewhere ahead of us. What do you find when you talk to people, you know, friends or relatives about what you do um, and, and, and during the winter, especially, obviously, and, and what, what, what surprises them most about your job? I would feel that most people think that it would be exciting to drive a snowplow because you're in this big truck. And, and uh, I, I think that it surprises them when you have to explain that it's, it's actually a fairly dangerous job. You're driving a, a very large, heavy truck, and you're only out in snow and ice with it. And, uh, you know, getting around people that have had accidents can be difficult. And then the people that are in such a hurry that they, uh, you know, they tend to try to pass you in dangerous places and things. And, and most of the public or people that don't drive heavy equipment or, you know, avoid driving in bad weather, they don't understand how... Uh, you know, how dangerous it can be out there for us. It's a tough job. You're out there for long hours and uh, you're always in the bad weather where, you know, people are just driving in the bad weather to get home from work that day. We'll be out the entire storm. So you have many, many occasions where uh, the public tries to, you know, they, they crowd you. They, you know, they push you around and I have to be careful that, you know, I don't hit someone who is, is driving like that. So it is fairly dangerous out there. Yeah, I mean, we all have to, pay close attention and keep our eyes on what we're doing. But uh, you guys, I think it goes about tenfold for you just have no margin for error, basically. No, when there's an error, uh, it usually comes at a price. You know, uh, I, I, these trucks can uh, easily find themselves in a ditch, too, if uh, they're not uh, conscientious of what they're doing. You know, we got to watch our speeds. We got to, uh, you know, maintain uh, a safe distance between the traveling public. And that's always challenging because they're always trying to dart around us. Uh, I've had, I've had cars pass us in the direction in which we're throwing the snow. Um, so it's, it's, you always got to be prepared for the, uh, unexpected. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about somebody says that they, they want to do this. What do you, what do you say to both try to be encouraging, but also set expectations? Training, training new people is always interesting because they usually come from a, often a, a truck driving background and they, and they have some experience in, in bad weather, but to, to, to come in to be a snowplow driver, you have to be um, very conscious of what you're doing all the time. It's a job where you don't get to relax while you're driving, like say you want an over the road truck where you get a long day of just driving. Um, out here, we have to to basically dodge cars and stay on top of the roadway all the time. And uh, and it's always uh, long hours and bad weather. So, I mean, if you want to, to come on board, you have to be prepared for those type of uh, those days and experiences where at the end of the day, sometimes you're glad to get out of that plow truck. So it's not it's not all glamour. It's not always you know fun and exciting. It, it can make for a long day. So when new people come in, I don't try to discourage anyone, but I need them to be aware that, you know, it's not just driving to the store. You're 
you're busy. There's uh, about 14 to 18 functions inside those trucks that you have to do the whole day. You know, it's it's constant. You have a console and uh, levers and just nonstop things to do. You're very busy in there. So, uh, like I said, I don't try to discourage anyone, but I, I do make them aware that it's it's not a walk in the park driving those trucks. That's well said, Mike. Is there anything you want to add to that, Jerry? No, he, Mike. Mike uh, articulates it pretty well. It's uh, you know, you get these new guys in there, and they, uh, they want to come in here and try to save the world, and it can be a fun job, but it's stressful, and then you're coming for long days and uh, long nights in many occasion, occasions. You know, because a lot of our stoves coming in at nighttime, it just uh, it wears on you, and uh, you know the new guys uh, they want to get out there and uh, beat it up, and you know, we encourage that. We want them to get out there and want them to be. Uh, um but we want them to be safe and um if, if we could just allude back to what i said earlier if, don't crowd the plow let us get our jobs done and we can make the roads safer for everybody which roads are the toughest i mean instinctively i would think that the two lanes obviously would be a lot more difficult than the freeways and the interstates but uh is it that simple well i guess everybody's going to have their own take on that jeff but uh personally i think the most challenging roads are the freeways uh, you got a lot of traffic coming in and on and off uh, the ramps there. Um, a lot of cars moving about around you. And, uh, you know, we the department obviously wants to, to promote mobility. Well, in order to get mobility, we need to get out there and get the job done. We just need that space, that buffer zone, if you will, uh, for the traveling public just to honor that so we can open up them roads. But uh, I think by far the freeways are the most challenging for me. Interchanges. Interchanges, yeah, right, Mike. Good point. Yeah. So we all want our 20 minute to commute to be 20 minutes no matter what time of year, what time of day, you know, what's going on, whether there's road work in the summer season or whether there's snow in the winter. And we want our roads to be dry and clear of snow and ice and free of potholes. And you know, all of that has to, to wear on you guys after a while, knowing that you're out there working as hard as you are, and yet the public is is frustrated with any kind of delay or any kind of poor road. How do you how, how do you process that? Well, you got you got to understand, you know, as a, just a regular traveler of the motoring public, whatever you want to call them, um, I understand that they want to get home from work. And uh, I'm at work, so that little bit of inconvenience I'm here, providing a safe way for them to get where they're going. Where, uh, you know, if we're not out there, you're, you know, the 10 minutes longer it's going to take you could take you an hour longer. Um, yeah, you just got to understand this, you know, a short setback or having to be stuck behind the plow for a few extra minutes is actually making your day safer than it would if we were not out there. Yeah, that's really good. Is there anything else either one of you guys want to add? This is this has been helpful, I think, and uh, gives people a little bit of insight inside the cab. No, just uh, just uh, watch for these trucks and uh, try to try not to pass us on the direction we're throwing the snow. Uh, I've seen so many so many times where they, they drive by us and drive through that windrow of snow, and a lot of times they get through it and they're just kind of giving you the the the, the, the stink eye, <laughs> or, yeah. or they're going off into the ditches. So. Uh, you know, just give us that space, and and uh, but we're, we're we're dealing with challenges all the time out here, especially recruiting people and uh, anybody that is an earshot that uh, would love to get involved in uh, driving one of these rigs. Uh, I encourage them to apply. Department offers great training 
to uh, individuals that want to come on board. Yeah, we'll include some links in the show notes to, to those things too. So, well, thank you guys. Thank you for doing what you do and for taking time to explain this. I really appreciate it. No problem, Jeff. I appreciate you having us. Yeah, not a problem, sir. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Debler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.